0: Welcome in, out there, Avalanche fans. This is another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast. I am your host, JJ Jerez, with me, of course, Arif Dean. This is a Mile High Sports podcast where we talk all things Avalanche, so it's time to talk some Avalanche hockey. I mean, we had about a week off there, Arif, so, you know, how was your COVID break?
1: If we're talking about Avalanche hockey, then we may as well just end this podcast now, because it's been about 10 days since the Avalanche have played hockey.
0: Well, that's the exciting thing is that we got Avalanche hockey right around the corner. Hopefully, we'll get into that more uh, a little bit deeper in the podcast, but the real big news right now is just the simple fact that there are players returning to the lineup. So let's start with the good news. Give us the update on players coming back to the Avs lineup and and hopefully ready to go for Vegas series here.
1: So yeah, to, to to put it lightly, it's it's kind of nice that the Avalanche did have those 10 days off. We all had a bit of a COVID break there. Uh, obviously, Gerard, Landeskog, and Joost are on that COVID protocol list and will be for the foreseeable future the next week or so. But coming off of the injury, the injury list and players that were missing games, for starters, Nathan McKinnon, once again, just like last year at the pause, missed one game. And then the season was canceled and the same exact thing this year. McKinnon's going to be back in the lineup Sunday, assuming that game goes. Joined as well by pierre Edward Belmar, who was injured in that last home game as well, as defenseman Devon Taves. So all three of those guys will be back in the lineup Sunday. So those are three players that likely would have missed an extra four or five games that are now going to have missed four or five games less than planned
0: all exciting news but really the only name that matters in there is Nathan McKinnon right i mean i feel like you can have exactly you can have this defensive group Nathan McKinnon and the entire Colorado Eagles team and you'll still be in good shape so just as, just the fact that he's coming back is is awesome for the Avalanche and you can expect great things and it's great that he didn't have to miss too much of a gap both for you know his personal stat reasons and for team reasons so um but you know it's not all sparkles and rainbows though is it i mean there's still guys missing and still some key pieces that are going to be out for a little bit while for a little bit while longer
1: yeah so before i get into that just to touch on the mckinnon thing i mean i mean this is a this is a player that in the 1819 season and the 1718 season uh was a heart trophy caliber player i mean he should have won it in 1718 for that reason when your second line was nieto calvert and soderberg or nieto como and soderberg nathan mckinnon was running the show and when he was out of the lineup, the team faltered. The Avalanche have so much more depth and so many more like better players now. It's no longer Patrick Nemeth on your second pair. It's suddenly Sam Girard and Bowen Byram on your second pair. Where when Nathan McKinnon goes down, or sorry, when, when a bunch of your depth players go down and Nathan McKinnon is still healthy, He's used to it, man. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He'll carry a team of, of McDonald's and Tynan's and, and, and Sheldon Drys, and he'll, he'll lead them to the promised land if he has to. So, yeah, it is. It's Nathan McKinnon. Him coming back makes a world of difference for the Avalanche. In regards to the guys that are still out, speaking of that, Eric Johnson is, is on the IR. He was added to the IR as Devon Taves was taken off, obviously for cap purposes. But EJ, he's not close to coming back. He's still out. Pavel Francouz, same thing. He's not close. He is still out. A little bit of better news. um, And this is good news because Matt Calvert's injury was very suspect. Mm -hmm. It was very Colin Wilson-like where he kind of something happened. He disappeared, and we just didn't really hear about it. Or better yet, a better example than Colin Wilson is if you remember a few years ago, Jesse Winchester, who was with the Avalanche, just Mm kind of had a concussion, disappeared from the lineup. We never heard from him again, and then he was gone. So Matt Calvert seemed to be going that way. But according to what Bednar said this morning, being Friday, uh, Calvert is in quarantine right now. And that's because he had to tra- he had to do some traveling for, to get some medical evaluations. However, he will be on the ice either Saturday or Sunday. So this weekend, Calvert's going to be on the ice, which only means to me that he'll be back if not Tuesday, then, then for the Lake Tahoe game next week, Saturday. So Calvert's coming back as well. Obviously, the three guys on the COVID list are big names and are going to be massive blows. Landeskog, Gerard, and Joost are all going to be out at least for the next game, perhaps the next two games, because every single one of them has to reach 14 days before they're back on the ice. And that's, you know, getting back to practice, let alone playing games. So... It's been about a week for Gerard. It's been about a week and a half for Joseph Landeskog on that list. The crazy thing is about Sam Gerard, that guy has not missed a game since the trade back in 2017. Since that Duchesne trade happened, Sam Gerard has played consecutively every single game since, and that streak is going to end today.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to point out because, especially at his size, his stature, and what people blame him for the most is just his, his physical presence right but he never has an issue with that he's never injured this isn't an injury this is covid so you know in my book he's still kind of in that iron man yeah he yeah yeah. no
1: absolutely and he 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 doesn't get hurt and he doesn't get hurt because he he doesn't get hit it's kind of like the nicholas lidstrom factor what lidstrom was so good at and why he was such a good player for so long is because nobody could hit him because he just had such great hockey iq he knew how to escape checks he knew how to escape dangerous positions this is kind of the thing that we're kind of hoping Kale mccard develops because we've seen him get banged up quite a few times so for someone like sam gerard i mean kudos to him over 240 something games in a row since the trade at the frame that he has is impressive and it's it's a sign of good things to come you know for someone on the year one of a seven-year deal and i think normally i wouldn't be
0: too rattled about matt calvert you know, coming back or missing time, I wouldn't really feel strongly either way. But the way he's been playing so far this year, honestly, I think this team needs him back, and hopefully he can start to put some home because he's shown a lot of promise, just like we've said for a lot of guys on this team, and hopefully, you know, it, it translates into production and goals. But, you know, while I jest that, McKinnon is the only guy you really need. Landeskog a big, big piece of that top line and a big piece yeah. of what the Avalanche have done so far. So, like you said, it, it still is a big blow missing a guy like Landeskog.
1: Absolutely, I mean, Landeskog is he—he he is the heart of this team in terms of leadership. He, you know, as much as we talk about Nathan McKinnon being the true force behind this roster. It's Landeskog that keeps him in check. We've talked about it before. It's why their lockers are together. He's the player that when McKinnon was going at Jared Bednar, he let him get a couple shots in, and then he said, okay, enough is enough, and he put his hand on McKinnon's chest, and obviously McKinnon fell over the bench. It was kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, He was mad sitting back on his ass. It was hilarious, but uh, Landeskog is a very important piece of this team, and you know he's going to be out for another week or so, and then when he does eventually get back, there's that... Getting over the COVID rust—that's going to take a little bit of time. So it's going to be a quite a bit of time before someone like Landeskog is back to what he was doing, and and on that note, Sam Gerard as well. Because hell, even Tyson Jones—I know we like to talk a lot of crap about Tyson Jones, but he's had a—he's had pretty decent games recently. And and these are three players that it's going to take them quite a bit of time to get back into the swing of things. And and you know, it's unfortunate, but such as such as COVID life. I mean, this is this is how it is nowadays.
0: Hey, go back to the last several podcasts and you'll hear that we have not been talking that much crap about Tyson Jones. that we've been seeing it and calling it exactly like it is, which has been uh, actually some pretty good stuff out of him. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of good news coming with the guys, uh, you know coming back hopefully everybody eventually makes it back it's interesting to see the johnson injury still lingering yeah. right we thought with the long covid break we thought with him golfing without a boot as we so we spoke on this podcast he, yeah. that maybe he'd be a hundred percent but man it seems to be still around and and who knows what it actually is but it obviously is is
1: uh pretty pretty serious i mean looking at that hit he took I, I honestly can't even remember at this point. Was it a leg injury? Was that announced? Was it ever announced as a lower body or upper I, body? Now now that I think about it, I don't remember. Do you remember he came back and he got wrecked by uh Jordan oh, Greenway? The head. Remember yeah, that he slammed his face the, in the ice. Yeah, right. see, see this fragile. is this is the damn yeah, the the, the <laughs> ten the ten days off. It's kind of made us a little rusty. But that's the thing. It's you and I, you know, we joked about it when it first happened, it said bruised ego, but the way he you know he hit into the boards and then he kind of like tilted over and fell and hit his head, and I'm starting to wonder if it's a concussion. Issue because the fact that Jared did not give an update says to me that it's a it's it's an issue that there just mm-hmm. isn't an update on it, and it's similar to Pavel Francis. It's not that like oh Pavel's going to be out for the next four months or three months or two. It's there's nothing to say, and when there's nothing to say, it means they don't know, and that and that's kind of the sense that I'm getting with Eric Johnson, and and slowly but surely this guy, I mean, like we've said, like I've said before, Eric Johnson is a very old. Thirty-two years old, he's not a uh, you know Alex Ovechkin's thirty-five years old. You know, putting up fifty goals a year and at thirty-two, want a Stanley Cup, playing the best hockey of his career and winning a Conn Smythe. Eric Johnson's a very, very old, thirty-two years old. His body is his body's yeah. taken a beating, and and I'm starting to wonder how much longer we have of this guy, if this is going to keep happening. I mean, with all these young defensemen uh, making their way up through the lineup, like what's going to be of Eric Johnson right. when he's I mean, healthy again. Greenway
0: is a strong dude. So, you know, no, don't no disrespect Big there, guy. but I don't think Eric Johnson of five years ago would have gotten tossed like that, especially by somebody that much younger than him. You know, I think he even takes offense to that. He, yeah, you know, he's got a little chip on his shoulder when it comes to younger players, I feel. Um, but, you know, I, I think we can all agree that we didn't love the Avalanche's start. You know, we were fine with it, it was okay. there were some promising things, but we yeah. didn't love it overall. A lot of us were saying, hey, there was no preseason, you know, give cut them a break. Exactly. Well, you that was got a nice preseason little now. preseason and I saw yeah. a little statistic on NHL network that the Avalanche had, I think it was the third or fourth easiest schedule up to this point. So you know, a nice way to kind of ease yourself into it. but up next, it's the Vegas series, right? I mean, I, in my opinion, Vegas is looking like the front runner for the Stanley Cup right now.
1: I would say yes to that, but I would also say, who the hell knows who the front runner is these days, man? Like, this year is going to be such a crapshoot, and I'm not even talking about all the COVID stuff. I'm talking strictly about scheduling. So when you say the Avalanche have had the third or fourth easiest schedule since the start of the year, I mean hands up in the air what what can what can they do this is the teams that are in their division that was created uh this arbitrary west division that they have to face and you know they they had two upcoming games against the blues both were canceled so now the blues and the coyotes are playing 76 straight games <laughs> because nobody <laughs> else in the west division can play hockey right now so what can you do? When you look at a team like Vegas, yes, they're 8-2-1. They look great. Mark Stone looks awesome. Uh, both of their goalies look good. Uh, Petrangelo's fitting in. Shea Theodore's playing well. I still have question marks about that second-line center because some guy named Chandler or a, young def- or a young rookie named Cody Glass are not the answer for that team. So are they going to add somebody there? But the reason why I'm saying all of this is because let's go to that Canadian division, the North Division. You have Toronto at the top of the league sitting at, I believe, 11, 2, and 1. And Austin Matthews has a million goals. And Freddie Anderson is playing well. And everything is clicking for that team. They have a plus-16 goal differential. They've scored over 50 goals in only 14 games. They look good. They're on a four-game winning streak. Everything's clicking. But they've only played other Canadian teams. The Vegas Golden Knights have only played teams in L.A. and St. Louis. And and now they're going to play Colorado. Like what's going to happen when you win your division, because this is the crazy part. If you're the Avalanche, you've got seven other teams in your division, plus the team you play in the Western Conference Final, plus the Stanley Cup Final, if you make it that far. You can win the Stanley Cup or you're going to win the Stanley Cup this year by playing either nine teams or eight teams if you're in the Canadian division. So when you come out of your division and you go into this playoff tree and you play one verse four and two versus three and then you win your division, You're going to have your head up high. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, or the Vegas Golden Knights, or the Tampa Bay Lightning, or the Carolina Hurricanes, or whoever it may be. And you're going to come out of your division, you're going to play another team, and you're going to get smoked in four games and be like, holy shit, this entire season has been a fraud because we've played the same seven teams every single time. And that's why I I agree Vegas has looked good. But hey, I hate to break it to you, man. Vegas is playing those same easy teams that the Avalanche have been playing this year.
0: Yeah, but they've been... Taking it to them, you know, last, how much better podcast in last week's podcast, when I was complaining about the, the way the avalanche are playing and the way they're winning just wasn't looking like top caliber hockey to me. Vegas is looking like that top caliber hockey when you're watching them, they're taking care of business. They're running that puck in the offensive zone. They have a, an offense that seems to produce threatening chances on, on a regular basis. And you know, they're they're winning games by more goal more than one goal. They're going into LA and they're taking care of business. They're going into Anaheim and they're taking care of business, not squeaking by like the Avalanche have. I mean I count one, two, three, four, five games so far where they've won by more than one goal margin. I mean, Vegas is taking care of business and that's how many, what I how want many, the Avalanche. to How many have be the Avalanche
1: like. had? I mean we know they've had a seven nothing, a three nothing, and a a seven three, a three nothing and an eight one. Or 8 nothing, So that's three games right there. Uh, how many more times have the Avalanche done it? Because it might be up there too. All I'm saying is Vegas got shut out by the Anaheim Ducks the other day. Um, yeah, they look good. I think... You're right. Hey, Avalanche have done it five times. Yeah, the Avalanche have done it five times too. I think the problem... And, and I'm, I'm going to say something similar to what I said in that last podcast episode. The problem right now is that four-game road trip was such a large chunk of the season, the California road trip that that's always what we reference when we talk about how terrible they look because they did look terrible. They did. It was a very boring four games of hockey. But they also smoked the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they smoked the Minnesota Wild. They lost the game against Minnesota. It was the game where McKinnon was out for the third period. It's an unfortunate thing. Uh, opening night sucked. They came back and won that game. Moral of the story, all of these things have happened for the Avalanche. All these things have happened for Anah- for for the Golden Knights who, again, they were shut out by the Anaheim Ducks last night being Thursday, one to nothing.
0: Real quick though, credit to John Gibson on that though, played more his so, ass
1: off more so than you know his early, ass off. I mean, you
0: know, keep your eye out, early favorite for a Vesna,
1: right <laughs> that, there. That that I that dude, I I feel so bad for him. Like, if there's two guys that need a plane ticket together, meet somewhere, hint hint, Pittsburgh, wink wink, because they have two general managers now that are big names that are going to do all this crazy shit. It's John Gibson and Connor McDavid get them the hell out of their teams like i feel so bad for that guy but all things considered everything the avalanche have been through everything the golden knights have been through um st louis isn't even in the picture right now because they can't beat the coyotes apparently that's three games in a row they've lost to them and they're playing them right now and i believe it's one to one two
0: to one now they're losing losing me money too at the same time simultaneously why, why would you take that is
1: it two to one it looks like it's one it to one on my to end one. No, it says 1-1 at the intermission. Maybe the goal no, was they pulled must back.
0: Have gone, yeah, maybe in, you know.
1: Oh, this podcast is going off the rails. Uh, <laughs> we but get yeah, <laughs> all things considered, the Avalanche are 7-3-1 and one, and the Vegas Golden Knights are 8-2-1. and one. So who cares what's happened to this point? Not that I'm expecting the Avalanche to win Sunday because they are rusty. And uh, the first period is going to be hard to watch because Vegas is buzzing. And the Avalanche just got on the ice after. After 10 days of, uh, you know, doing light dumbbell work at home and maybe a Peloton. And, and like what Grubauer said, I bought some inline skates and I was skating up and down the neighborhood. Like, that's all you can do. That's, <laughs> that's what our goalie was doing. Uh, all things considered, the Avalanche win in regulation on Sunday. Those two teams are tied. And the Avalanche have the tiebreaker. So mm-hmm. for a team that hasn't been playing well to this point and has more to give... They might be leading the West in 48 hours, and suddenly it's they're only going to get better from here, and they're already at the top spot. Bellamare said something similar, too, right? About
0: his uh rehab on that little injury he had.
1: He did, yeah. Belmar, uh, he was doing rehab with uh videos at home virtually. I've been there, I've been there, and it works. I uh sprained my MCL,
0: didn't have health insurance, rehabbed it on YouTube. Shout out, I was out gonna to say, Maria was it Mountain. just like a
1: rant? <laughs> No, was Maria was- Mountain.
0: Uh, she specializes in goalies. You know, if you if you haven't heard of her, uh, definitely check her out. If you're a goalie, she specializes in in the physical side of being well, a goalie. Well, so on Instagram, shit.
1: she'll show you stretches, she'll show you warm ups, she'll focus on that
0: side of things. Well, for you.
1: well, shit. Are are you saying that Belmar plays goalie because the Avalanche could use a backup?
0: No, but maybe Fran Suze could start watching some Maria Mountain videos and might rehab himself a little bit quicker. That's, That's kind of what I'm saying. We should send
1: him the link on Instagram. Maybe it'll get him back into the lineup. God knows what his injury is, but you know she'll probably fix it for him. I mean, all, all I think about when I think of online home workouts is like my mom doing like old Jane Fonda videos from like the 90s. I'm like, how did you rehab at home virtually? I, I think of 90s workouts. I think of the thigh Master. you know, that little thing yes. that, that oh, in between your legs. Oh, Lord, we are going off the rails. But this is what you get when it's 10 days of no hockey. The Avalanche played. I remember we got home from that game against Minnesota, and I looked at Mike, and I said, this is 11 games in 19 days. I am exhausted. These players are exhausted. Uh, there needs to be a break. And then the next day, there was a break. It was a COVID break. And here we are 10 days later. The Avalanche have missed five games.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, you know, a tough road ahead. It's not going to be easy because you can't count on another break. I mean, maybe you can because it's COVID and there's a good <laughs> chance that it happens again, but you can't count on another break anytime soon. So it's going to be just a straight stretch of games with no week in between so you know and that's a good time again to f- focus back in on the vegas series because four games against vegas straight out of break out of a break we already heard jared bednar talk about the rust that he's seeing in his team and just that little bit of time off um you know it's going to be a-, a good litmus test and it's going to be tough but four games against who i think is the best team in the nhl uh you know it- it's it's going to be a hell of a test coming up here if it they is. even get four in
1: it is, and if, if they get those four in, uh, you know, Vegas had a little bit of a COVID issue a couple games ago. They played, and after the second period, Thomas Nosek was pulled from the game. It was confirmed the very next day on Wednesday that Nosek had tested positive, and his result came during that game, so they pulled him from the game. Same thing happened similarly in the NBA with Kevin Durant. <laughs> I don't know if you follow much about Kevin Durant in the NBA. Do you?
0: No, not really. So,
1: so Kevin Durant, it was a bit of a shit show. He got pulled from the game.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw that. And then he that was allowed was to come back
1: in, and then he got pulled again because his yeah. test came back inconclusive or positive or whatever. It wasn't positive. It was inconclusive. So the guy jumps on Twitter in the middle of the third third quarter and tweets, free me. Free me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was great. But, you know, that's basically what happened with Thomas Nosik. So Nosik played two periods, the first and second, with a positive test that he did not know about. I don't know how much time on ice he got because Nosik is obviously not, you know, a top-line player. But at the same time, the NHL implemented rapid testing the morning of games because of that. And what we saw yesterday was the Ducks and the Vegas Golden Knights playing a game that ended up being 1-0. It was a 60-minute regulation game. Nobody tested positive that morning. But if we wake up Saturday when you guys are listening to this podcast and anybody from Anaheim or Vegas is added to the COVID test, it's going to be traced back to no sick. And then I have a bad feeling about the upcoming four games.
0: Yeah. I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw actually, but Nick Felino had a, some pretty, I guess, telling quotes in the athletic today from Mike Russo. Um, you know, of course, cause he's the first player of the wild to get the virus. Marcus, felino Marcus so, Foligno. Marcus Mark. Yeah. What did I say?
1: You said Nick, Nick's his brother in Columbus, oh,
0: Marcus, Marcus <laughs> felino, Um, You know, and he kind of just said how he he had no idea he had it. He feels terrible that he gave it to his entire team. But, you know, what are you going to do when he's sitting there playing a hockey game, huffing and puffing? I know they took off the glass behind the benches, but that's not going to do anything, even for a guy like Nosik, who, like you said, doesn't get many minutes. He's still sitting there right next to multiple guys all game long. That bench is rotating. It's not like you sit in a, you know, a designated area and designated design. What's the word I'm looking for? Se- seating. Yeah, seating.
1: Arranged seats. Arra- no. Se- uh, Jesus. Assigned seats. Assigned oh, seats. Oh, Lord. Assigned The COVID seating. break has done more to me than I thought. Maybe I Man, have Man, we
0: are rusty out here. Um, but yeah, that, you, know, you know what I'm saying. Like, it, it just, it's just tough did really it just. Did I really just say like
1: arranged seating? Slope. Holy moly. You said it so confidently, too. I was so, I was so proud like I said, of Nick my Felino. English. Yeah, Nick Foligno. Right when you said Nick Felino, I'm like, crap, what did Tortorella do now? Uh, we, we won't get into any of that stuff because that's been beaten to the ground. And and uh, at this point, Columbus doesn't want to be talked about. But the, the Marcus Fellino thing, I mean, here's here's the biggest issue with that. Marcus Fellino got COVID, had no idea, gave it to pretty much five other guys on the team, which gave it to the Avalanche because they played three games in a row. And who the hell knows if these Avalanche players were going home and giving it to their family mm-hmm. and their young and their young ones. Like, look at someone like Ian Cole. Ian Cole was traded from the Avs to the wild, was living out of a bag, uh, away from his family for almost a month, comes back to Denver. Finally gets to see his family, his wife and his newborn kid again, and then gets COVID. And I'm like, ah oh, man, bad luck, bad luck. And then you sit back and you're like, I really hope he didn't give his family COVID, because like this is this is just the way it is. It's just it's a terrible, terrible thing we're living through right now. And I can't wait for the day where we don't have to talk about this shit anymore. But the reality is, like the NHL has a problem right now, and the problem is uh positive tests are happening and 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 there is exposure that's happening on ice and that's not something that they were expecting the NHL has done everything they can to make sure that off the ice and away from the rink players are abiding by certain rules and restrictions to keep this from spreading but it's happening on ice it's happening to players and the coaches for those teams for those players that share a bench and the referees that ref those exact games where the players and the coaches, it's all happening at once. And the NHL did not expect this to happen. And that's the biggest worry, the worry, the biggest worry that I have is the fact that, hey, you know, even if the Avalanche, and I do this with air quotes with my fingers, develop some sort of herd immunity, and the wild develop some sort of herd immunity where they can't get it anymore, uh, they they still might play teams that do get it. I mean, let's face it. There's other teams in the West Division that haven't had a COVID scare yet. Uh, when they do, unless you know they're going to do what with the Avalanche, what they did with the Blues and the Coyotes, where they started playing last week, they're going to stop playing in in, in September. They're going to play every other day for the next six months because no other team can. Like, well, it looks like the Avalanche might go on another break, and it's going to be through no fault of their own this time. It's going to be other teams having COVID issues leading to them being on break.
0: My biggest fear, you can look right back at the Minnesota Wild, and that's at Marco Rossi, right? I mean, the NHL's super lucky that there's only been one guy, and that's as of today, February 12th, there's only been one guy to complain of, you know, the after effects of having COVID, and who knows? What if six months down the line suddenly we see half the NHL is struggling to get ready for next season because the lingering effects in their lungs and you know, I think Ryan on on the radio show put it the best. It, it you know, some of these guys are walking away like they they've been smoking cigarettes for 30 years. That's how messed up their lungs are getting from this. So, you know, that's my biggest worry. The NHL's lucky that it's it's kind of been minimal so far with guys like that. You know, who knows what Jonathan Taves is going through? Who knows what Corey Crawford's that's, actually going through?
1: Yeah, that that one's the question mark to me. Mm-hmm. Is what the hell is happening with Jonathan Taves? And
0: you know there could easily be more of those
1: coming through the pipeline here as as more people start to contract the virus. I mean, the funny thing is, COVID has affected so many people. There's one name that we rarely ever talk about is Matt Niskanen. Niskanen retired. He he threw away a 5.5 million dollar year and just said, "I'm retiring" because he just didn't want to deal with all this COVID stuff. And it's the same thing that happened with Mark Crawford after signing a contract. He said. You know, JK, never mind. I don't want to go to New Jersey. I don't want to do this. Uh, Crawford's a little bit of a different situation. I, I assume it was just one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to uproot my life and my family for this shitty season. I've won three Stanley Cups. The Blackhawks suck now. The Devils, let's face it, they're going to suck too. I don't need this. Uh, but Niskanen was playing on the Flyers, who had a damn good year last year, who you know he was under contract for another season and just said, I'm done, completely out of the blue. Uh, I'm not saying that he had health issues, but I'm saying he just looked at this entire season and said, all of this crap that you and I are talking about right now, I'm not going to put up with it. And he didn't. And it's just crazy to see how much this has changed and affected so many players in their careers and their trajectories and where they're supposed to go from here. And 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 I mean, for, for the NHL, for Gary Bettman, you're just trying to find a way to be done with this season let it happen let it happen at least respectfully in some way shape or form uh, let us have a real playoff a real stanley cup kind of like the bubble it was at least enough to say it's not entirely an asterisk even though it was still weird let's get seattle in here let's get paid from the expansion draft let's get a new tv deal let's get vaccinated and let's start fresh
0: not to mention the nhl cracked down and started regulating a little bit harder on the players and said guys stop leaving your houses you're not leaving your houses anymore unless it's to go to practice now and all meetings are virtual which is hilarious the, the, the
1: virtual meeting thing is going to be rough and gary uh, not gary bettman but the coach uh jared bedner was he was really annoyed about that and i'm not saying bettman ugh, jesus i'm not saying bedner was having an issue with the rule itself i need to stop calling bettman the avalanche's coach that would be weird <laughs> imagine having a press conference with that guy every morning that would yeah oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway so bedner like was he was visibly annoyed at the idea of like i have to run a team and i have to do these practices uh not practice but i have to do these meetings virtually now rather than in person and he's kind of like fed up with this entire thing like how do i prepare my team i can't do it in person players are in and out of the lineup and when we are ready for games our games get you know pulled from us pull, pulled away from us under the rug like You know, suddenly, just like that game last Thursday, now eight days ago, another home game against Minnesota was taken away from them. How do you prepare for all of that? It's just such a weird, odd situation. And I mean, like, we're so close, but so far, it's February, seven months from now, is going to fly by, and seven months from now, is going to be September. And by then, hopefully, this is all gone. We're talking about the upcoming season, maybe the avalanche on, you know, Stanley Cup hangover after winning the cup in August on Lake Tahoe somewhere, because that's the only place they can play that's COVID-friendly, apparently. Uh, but it's it's just been a really, really trying time, and we're only 11 games into the season for some teams, some of them yeah. less, some of them up to 16. Uh, and, and Philip Grubauer, when we talked to him yesterday, he said... We're not going anywhere. Players, we're going home, we're going to the rink, we're going to the hotels. Like we're we're not doing anything. Granted we're rollerblading around our streets. Yeah, rollerblading around our streets. They're inline skates for <laughs> for Philip Grubauer. That's how he's getting his practices in. And I mean like that's that's the guy in Denver. I don't know what the Dallas Stars players are doing. I don't know what the guys in Florida are doing. You know, in cities that are a little bit more conservative, where Tom Brady's out at a party getting drunk out of his mind with a bunch of people around, holding his kid. Nobody's wearing a mask. Who the hell knows if Florida Panthers players were there or Tampa Bay Lightning players were there? Uh, but, you know, the NHL's cracking down on something where, like, most of the players have their arms up. Like, we're, we're already doing all this. What more can we do? Like, you have me sitting on a bench with 20 other players. What else can we do? And I feel like what's going to happen next is they're going to pull down the glass all around the rink and be like, all right, section 104, that's the new Avalanche's bench. And section 114, that's the penalty. But like, what else can you do? You're going to have guys jumping over the boards and then climbing up seven rows and sitting in their spot until their next line change. Like, what can you do at this point?
0: I get the coach's frustration, too, with the Zoom team meetings now, right? I mean, we've all been there, we've all had to do Zoom, Zoom meetings, and how impossible is it to pay attention to those, let alone, you know, I'd love to, to kind of be the fly on the wall to watch the Zooms with the avalanche and <laughs> kind of see everything that goes wrong, like in everybody else's Zooms, right? Like, hey, Sam Gerard, please get your c- cat away from the camera. Please get your cat <laughs> off the table. Uh, Miko Rantanen, can you please put your microphone on mute you're uh you're talking too much you know it's, it's just impossible for anybody let alone the avalanche and, and all the nhl but at the same time everybody's doing it everybody's making it work everybody's getting through it Well, yeah it sucks you don't necessarily get preferential treatment just because you're national league hockey players
1: yeah and i mean in the end like we said in the beginning whoever gets through this season it's it's going to be the team that was able to it's going to be one of two things it's either going to be the team that everything happens the proper way and they just like are the luck of the draw. They're the only team that doesn't deal with any bull crap, which right now is basically narrowed down to a Canadian team. (laughs) Or it's everybody's going to deal with it, which is likely the scenario, and everyone's going to have to deal with a pissed-off, annoyed coach holding virtual meetings, and their captain is in COVID protocol, and their top-line scorer missed a game, and he's back, and now this is happening, and your backup goalie's hurt, and your starting goalie's playing too much, and your third-string goalie's a AHL journeyman, and you have all these issues going on, but it's going to be the team that can handle the adversity the most. And that's what the Avalanche want to be. That's what made the Dallas Stars story last year so magical. As much as we cringe about that team, it was Anton Hudobin's We're Not Going Home. And it was friggin' Kiviranta, whoever the hell this guy is. Friggin' his name was created on a scrabble board once. Coming out of nowhere and scoring a hat trick and an overtime game-winning goal in the second round. And it was all these things coming together, handling adversity without your starting goalie. Your backup goalie was a college rookie. And, and, and finding a way to take all of this and spin it into a positive light and dealing with that adversity. And that's what the Avalanche are trying to do. I mean, they were kind of getting there right before the pause. They were four zero and one in their last five games. And this is a team that during that four zero and one streak, it seemed like they lost another player every single game. And the one game they lost was in overtime, and it was the game they lost McKinnon for the third period so it just seemed like they were starting to handle that adversity, and then the hockey gods were like, no, no, we got another one for you. COVID protocol, your captain, your defenseman that hasn't missed a game in four years, and Tyson Jost. They're all going to be out. Yeah, you're going to get McKinnon back, but these guys are going to be out. You're going to be rusty. You haven't practiced in 10 years, and your goalie's rollerblading around Colorado for some reason. (laughs) Like This is what it's gotten to now, so it's just a matter of handling that adversity.
0: Oh, That's hilarious. Such a funny image, too. I hope he wears some tight Clothing while he's doing it just to freak out the whole. I, I keep
1: thinking of er- Eric Johnson. Remember that suit he was wearing in the, the biker summer, outfit. the biker suit. Exactly. I, I keep imagining <laughs> Philip Grubauer in that. Not even like regular skates, but like those inline skates where it's like the four that are like in a box, like that one. Uh, what's that one movie? The old movie where they're roller skating through the. It's whatever. You get the point. It's just it's it's a funny sight.
0: Absolutely, especially when you put them on roller skates like you just did. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, I mean, none of this we is a surprise, right? We all kind of saw this coming. It sucks that it's happening, and it, you know, it sucks that it's affecting everyone's favorite team. But you know, during the off season, you and I discussed several times that this is going to be a year about depth. This is a year where you know the TJ Tynans and the Sheldon Dries are going to have to step in and make some sort of impact because you're going to have to count on them. Because we saw all this coming, we knew all this was expected, and you know, it is what it is at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's just the reality. The Avalanche did recall a bunch of players, and they you know filled out their taxi squad because they're still missing now. Calvert, Fran, and Johnson, and Jost, and Gerard, and Landeskog—like those are big names you're missing from your lineup. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, those are six starters. Those are five starters and a goalie that should be playing half your games. Um, so it's it's it, it is going to be about that depth. It's going to be about guys like Logan O'Connor, who and I know we never had much of a chance to talk a lot about him because of the pause but he has been a great great breath of fresh air for the avalanche I think he I think at this point someone like Logan O'Connor it's hard to take him out of the lineup even when you're healthy from how well he's played but you need more guys like that to step up and every time I hear the name dries and I hear the name Tynan I shudder because they remind me of names like Hunter Misca where it's like this isn't someone that's that's going to be an NHLer, and I hate to say it so straightforward, but that's just the reality. These aren't players that you think are going to be full time NHLers. These are band aids because half your team's on the COVID protocol list and injured.
0: I like that. That's a good way to put them. They're band aids. I like that. Well, well said.
1: Play- players like Martin, yeah, players like Martin Kaut. When he gets a chance, that's someone that you can say, "Hey, man, he's going to make a career out of this, maybe." Logan O'Connor, you knew he was an NHL caliber player, just wasn't in the lineup because it was a numbers game. The Avalanche have a lot of depth now. Uh, Shane Bowers, I'm excited to see when he gets his opportunity because Shane Bowers is a former first round draft pick. But your Tynan's, your Dries, your Hunter Miskas, your Jacob McDonald's. Like, these guys are not going to be NHLers. That's just the and reality. And I'm one
0: of those guys, what an opportunity you're getting this year to kind of showcase yourself, Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, I talked about how I saw Kiefer Shearwood trying to talk his way into the lineup, gets an opportunity, plays pretty well. Like You know, this is Love the year game. for that kind of guy to kind of revamp your career and, and take it in a different direction than it was going to go initially. So, you know. Let's look for those guys to keep stepping up, and hopefully they do within the avalanche and keep hanging into the standings because all it really takes right now is just get into the playoffs. Then you can regroup, reset, and think about the playoffs from there. Just get in at this point, right? I mean, this is such a wild year. Who cares who wins the division? Who cares who wins this or that? Home ice, you know, while it kind of matters. None of it it, matters. It kind of. I got a fun stat for you, and this is for all my betters out there too to keep in mind. Um, So... Let me let me find it here. I got it written down. See, so you're well
1: prepared, as we have been all night.
0: <laughs> Teams that are playing each other in back-to-back games, in which the home team loses the first game, the record of the home team in the second game is 24 and 12, and that 12 just happened tonight with the New York Rangers losing to Boston, one uh, nothing. But that that second
1: game for the home team apparently is is pretty pretty big yeah and so that's that's what happens it's you know the avalanche blue opening night to the st louis blues came out the next day and wrecked them ain't nothing uh then they went to they went to la they beat the la kings and then as the home team the la kings came back and won the next game so yeah it's it's a very reasonable trend it's hard to sweep a team it's even harder to sweep a team and i know they're two game series it's even harder to sweep a team on the road uh, the Avalanche almost did it with the Minnesota Wild. Obviously, they ended up losing in overtime that second game. But uh, that's that's just the, the reality. I mean, it's the, the funny thing is about the season, like you said, just get into the playoffs and all this is, if you're the Avalanche man and you're hurt and, and, and you have COVID pauses and you have all these things, if you're Jared Bednar, dude, just start assigning homework. Go home. Watch a bunch of Arizona versus St. Louis games. Watch a bunch of Anaheim LA games. Watch a bunch of Vegas games. Watch the seven teams in the division because you're going to play 56 regular season games and two rounds of playoffs against one of these seven teams. That's it. And then of the remaining 23 teams in the NHL, you might see two. One of the in the, not even the Western Conference Finals, one in the Conference Finals because there is no conferences this year, and one in the Stanley Cup Final. You're going to play nine teams this entire season if you make it all the way. So if you're the Avalanche, you're Jared Bednar, start assigning homework. Start assigning homework, have a discussion board, have quizzes every single day, have a test every two weeks, study the crap <laughs> out of your seven teams. Study the crap out of the seven teams in your division because those are the only guys you're playing for the first 56 through 70 games of the season.
0: JT Confer, can you please now begin your presentation on the Arizona Coyotes forecheck? Thank you very oh, much. Oh, geez.
1: <laughs> I can imagine the discussion board. You know when you're on the discussion board and it's like you have an answer and it's going to be 10 words, but you elongate the crap out of your sentences and just make it sound like, yes, uh, Miko Renton and I agree with what you said about the Arizona Coyotes' power play and how well they do on the power play. However, this is what I think they do incorrectly. It's like you could have said that in five words, but that's how it was in college. And such but- as – and such, yeah. You just you extend the words, and then I can imagine someone like Miko ranted in, who English isn't his first language, trying to put together sentences. I, I, I would pay a. I at this point, let's just turn, let's just turn the NHL season into a college class because it's, it's basically what it's becoming.
0: That's what it's feeling like. And it's this is
1: this is such a mess of a season. It's been a headache. Uh, I can't wait till we can look back at it and laugh, even though we're laughing about it already.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well. I guess that uh, wraps us up for uh, current events with the Avalanche. One thing I wanted to get into that's happened since our last podcast, and we both wanted to get into this, of course, and that's Chris McFarlane, the assistant general manager for the Colorado Avalanche, interviewing for the general manager position with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, he, uh, they decided to go in a different direction. But went with Brian Burke and, and uh, oh, Ron boy,
1: what a direction they went in.
0: Wow. Yeah. They really went old school here. Right. They said, you know what? All that new idea mentality, all these analytic guys that are coming in, we're going the opposite direction. We're taking it back 20 years and we're bringing back all the old school guys, the old boys club. I mean, this is, these are the guys you kind of think of, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Ron Hex, the funny thing is, so there's a, there's a lot of loose ends with these two hires, for starters, Brian Burke walked away from the Calgary Flames well the Flames and Brian Burke mutually walked away from each other a few years ago and Brian Burke has been on working with Sportsnet since then and has said on numerous occasions that he is has said on numerous occasions that he is done with running an NHL team. And now he's back in the game. This is somebody that, you know, me as the nerd that I am and all the sports net shows that I watch and I listen to. Brian Burke's on Hockey Night in Canada. Brian Burke is on is on uh, Hockey Central every single day. He's on Wednesday Night Hockey. He's always been active. And suddenly he pulled the plug on that. He's going back to run a team. He was too good at and it, was, though.
0: That was the thing. He was so he good was at it. Good I at loved
1: it. it. If I had a nickel for every – the guy would repeat the same stories over and over and over again. The Nazim Kadri story, I've heard it multiple times because it's hilarious. He'll say the same thing on the same radio show five times in a month. And it sounds great every single time. That's the funny thing. Like, he probably doesn't realize it. It's probably like, oh, i just saying the story again. And the Nazem Kadri getting drafted story where Kadri's dad came up to Brian Burke and said, Mr. Burke, nice to beat you. I'm I'm Nazem's father. Um, if, if Nazem ever gives you an issue, punch him in the head, then call me. I've heard that story a million times. My new favorite one of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, the Leafs have been talking about adding all this tenacity to their lineup and and all this stuff. And they went out and added Wayne Simmons to their roster this year. I swear to you, between the months of October and February, whatever the hell the date was a few days ago when he got hired, the amount of times I have heard Brian Berg say they didn't add Wayne Simmons to their lineup, they replaced Kyle Clifford. The amount of times I heard him say that, it's its crazy. He repeats the same thing. But, you know, aside from the Brian Burke thing, this is the craziest part about this. Ron Hextel was let go by the Philadelphia Flyers for being too patient. All he wanted to do was draft, and he did a damn good job at it. Guys like Travis Sanheim and and uh, Konechny and all these players that he was able to draft and bring in. And then you have Brian Burke, who's a terrible drafter outside of the Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin thing. Uh, Doesn't do much with player development, but man, can the guy pull off trades. Yeah, the Phil Kessel trade was kind of a wonky one, but hey, he acquired Henrik and Daniel Sedin because of all that trade magician stuff he did at the 99 draft. He traded for Chris Pronger twice. He traded for... uh, for, for any big name you could think of, he was always in on him every single time. Like, he straight up told Boston, we're going to offer sheet Phil Kessel. And then he went out and reacquired the draft pick that he needed to offer sheet Phil Kessel and said, talk trade with me or I'm going to offer sheet him. And Boston's like, oh, oh, okay, we'll talk trade with you. Like he's So you have somebody who's overly patient and somebody who always wants to pull the trigger now working together on a team that needs to win now that doesn't have a prospect pipeline, that has two aging stars in Malkin and Crosby, three if you want to add Chris Latang. It's just a unique situation, and it's one that, to be honest with you, if I'm Chris McFarlane, I'm kind of happy I'm not I'm not going to be the one to do it because you, know, you don't want to be the GM, especially in Chris McFarlane's case where you're a young GM trying to get your foot in the door in this business. You never want to be the GM that has to deal with the post-Crosby era. You done? I'm done. That's what, <laughs> that was a long, open-ended rant. Jeez,
0: that's what I was gonna say. If you were to take a breath, that you know, that's what makes the combination make sense over there, because you got Berkey, who knows how to wheel and deal, knows how to negotiate, knows how to bully and strong-arm other GMs. I'm sure too into some of these trades. But like you mentioned, the pipeline of prospects is empty, so they got to draft all while their teams expiring yeah, right on their hands. True. Right, so they've got to build. Uh, the team through trades, and that's Berkey's job. All while drafting and rebuilding that prospect pipe pipe, and that's Hextel. I could see
1: it now. I could see it now. Ron Hextel going out and drafting a great young player, and then Brian Burke taking him and trading him, <laughs> him for God knows <laughs> what? what. And people so like, dude, you can't keep doing this. Like we we gotta find the middle ground.
0: For Kachuk, for both the Kachuk brothers, Tom Wilson, both, and oh, Ryan geez, he
1: loves the hell out of the Kachuk's. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the first guy he's going to want to trade is, you know, the the first guy he's not going to want to trade is Sidney Crosby. And you know, if I if I had a nickel for every time I've heard him in the last three days say, "I lost Sidney Crosby at the 05 draft lottery," because if you remember, it was Anaheim and Pittsburgh with a final two, and then Pittsburgh won, Anaheim lost. They drafted Bobby Ryan. He's, I lost Bobby Ryan in two thousand and four at the at the two thousand five at the draft lottery. And I got him now. All right. It was funny the first time. <laughs> 34 times later, it's not that funny anymore. But when you look at somebody like Sidney Crosby, I mean, this is the, the fun thing that Elliot Friedman mentioned in the summer. Uh, and he threw this into one of his 31 Thoughts blogs. He just said, I wonder if one day Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon are going to want to play together. Every time I see him in a Tim Hortons commercial, it makes me think of that. And now you look at this team now and you say, when is Sidney Crosby going to want out? If, assuming Sidney Crosby doesn't want to finish his career in Pittsburgh, this is the way that I see it playing out. If this was going to happen, it needs to be because the Penguins crash and burn ASAP. If the Penguins are a playoff team for the next four to five years and competing for the next four to five years, even if they have a couple first-round exits, you come back every year knowing your team is still good, you're Sidney Crosby. You're not leaving that team. But if you're Sid and you're hungry for playoff hockey and they crap out this year, and they crap out next year and you start the rebuild. Why wouldn't you want out at that point?
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing about a great player like Sidney Crosby and you look directly across at the NFL, if Tom Brady can leave new England, why can't Sidney Crosby leave Pittsburgh? Cause when you're that caliber player, all you want to do is keep winning. All you want to do is give yourself the best chance at getting another cup before your career is almost over because you know, you're winding down and, you know, it's almost obvious that that's not going to happen in Pittsburgh. So why not go and play with one of your buddies and play in a system where you know that you're going to kind of still kind of have that control that you had in Pittsburgh and still be able to run things the way you uh, always have run them.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't think Sidney Crosby, like, I mean, this is a pipe dream, but if, you know, if there was a, if there was a place where Sid would go, it would be the avalanche. Let's face it nathan mckinnon young team obviously in the few years they won't be a young team they'll be in the middle of being a contender every year perhaps a dynasty if they win a couple cups before you know this conversation becomes more legit it's coming in joining a team where the excitement is there you're playing with one of your best friends who it's it's always weird when we say that because Crosby's like eight eight or nine years older than mckinnon it's Mm. really weird but you're able to win more cups there. You're able to revive your career. It's that Peyton Manning coming to the Broncos thing. You're not coming there for one year to F around and be this old guy without a cup and then, you know, winning a cup and retiring, playing limited minutes. It's, I'm a great player, played on a great team for all these years, and I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to have an entire second career there. Somewhere between that Peyton Manning effect and that Patrick Waugh effect. Patty was and- still a lot younger when he came to Denver, but and even Tom Brady with Tampa, he's not retiring. The guy's going to stick around win three more Super Bowls with Tampa Bay before he retires.
0: And far away from the Jerome
1: Ginla effect, right? Yes, that to yes, again. yeah, exactly. So it's going to be a completely different scenario to that. And, you know, I love my brother Nazem Kadri as much as the next guy, but if Sidney Crosby comes here, Kadri's going to take a hike. He might even be involved in the trade because McKinnon and Crosby are going to be your one-two punch on this team. Crosby
0: strikes me as such a mountain lover too. I feel like he loves hiking. He loves mountain biking. He Dude, wears those weird
1: tan rubber I, shoes. Our Colorado listeners are going to hate it when I say this, but I'm such an amateur Coloradoan. But what is that one place where it's like a bunch of steps that go all the way up? I, I
0: can, uh, Manitou's. The Manitou, the
1: Manitou Incline. Thank you. Yeah. Have you seen the legs on Crosby? The dude's. He, 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 the dude's going to jog that for like a He'll pregame warm up. He's just going to skip and just work his way up, no sweat, no nothing, grab a sip of water, come back down, play a game, score a hat trick, win a cup. Like that's going to be Crosby's day in Denver. If only though. We're
0: we're not serious here. I don't think it's a real yeah. pop This is
1: yeah, this is this is 10 days into a pipe into a pipe dream this is 10 days into a COVID break where you go into pipe dream territory uh the funny thing is so many people have been talking about this darren dreger Elliot freeman i mean it's all speculation it's all hey sydney crosby is eventually going to want out if the penguins need to blow it up hey why not join nathan mckinnon in denver it's everybody's new favorite thing it's kind of like the taylor hall over the summer hey taylor hall's got to join mckinnon in denver this is the new thing is Sidney crosby joining mac in a few years um but aside from him I mean, that's a fake trade rumor. Let's face it, it's all pure pure speculation. But Elliot Friedman did mention a real trade rumor, and I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, it feels like it was forever ago, it was uh, a few days ago. Um, he mentioned that, you know, Sam Bennett, obviously, the Canadian regulations are going to have an effect on any trade that involves a Canadian team. We saw it with Line A for Dubois. Dubois had to go sit in quarantine for two weeks while Line a and Roslovic were already playing in Columbus because. The U.S. doesn't care, and Canada does, uh, but he mentioned that Sam Bennett, who is on the trade block, the teams that have been that have already checked in on him are Anaheim, Columbus, and the Colorado Avalanche. So, I just wanted to get your opinion on Sam Bennett because I think that's an intriguing piece that the Avalanche are looking at.
0: I'm going to be honest. I don't love it. I'm just simply because of the offensive production. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to come here and change, you know, the way he's been producing the last several years in the NHL. And that's basically at a about 12 to 15 goals per season, more or less. So, that doesn't really strike me as somebody you need or want. Cause you already have a group of underachievers of guys who could score right around that amount of goals. And, you know, I think they fit just fine here. I mean, it depends on what you're giving up. Sure. There are some guys you could definitely talk me into, to uh, letting go when it comes to the avalanche, you know, a Valerie Nachuskin, for example, or, you know, some, some of the more depth guys. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see that being as much of a need as somebody who can just simply bury the puck and uh, you know, Help help fill that uh, third line a little bit. When
1: I when I think of Sam Bennett and the Avalanche going out for him, I think of Mike Chambers's article that we talked about a few days ago, where we said that, you know, where Mike was talking about Kyle Clifford being the piece that the Avalanche like get away from free agency, because I look at Sam Bennett and I see someone who's a, who's obviously a lot more skilled than a Kyle Clifford, um, but plays with that tenacity, plays with that pug nasty Brian Burke style of hockey. Um, <laughs> But you know it doesn't necessarily pitch in 30, 40, 50 points, uh, but kind of a Matt Calvert light has that has that you know that that physical, that that ruthless aggression type of type of hockey, that playoff physicality type of hockey. That's what I think of when I think of Sam Bennett. When I look at the Avalanches lineup and, and I, I like that you mentioned Valerie Nichushkin because the Avalanche's lineup is split into two things. You're either an offensive producer or you're helping out in a different way. Janis Donskoy scoring a lot of goals. He's got six of them. JT Comfer is a two-way player, plays a lot of penalty kills, got a little bit of a physical edge to him, plays with a lot of physicality. Granted, his fight was last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was now. (laughs) Um, Your guys on the fourth line are playing their fourth line thing. Valerie Nichushkin kind of hovers between top six winger that should be scoring a lot of points, which he was last year when he was playing with Nazem Kadri, and third-line winger that doesn't play physical enough for that line. But at the same time, he's a penalty killer, has like good underlying numbers. But it's kind of like this weird spot where it's like, hey, if there's someone you're going to trade, not because he's not a good player, just because there might be a better fit for this Sam Bennett type of player, Maybe it is Nachushkin. Maybe you do offload his salary and bring in someone like Sam Bennett. And, you know, Bennett can join the avalanche almost instantly, and Nachushkin's going to have to sit in quarantine for two weeks. But, you know, that's Calgary's problem. It wouldn't be the avalanche's problem.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely think that's a a win for the avalanche. But, you know, if I'm Calgary, I'm asking for something more than just right? I mean, I'm not dumb. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes, Joe Psychic. But, uh (laughs) You know. He's
1: done it. He's done it to pretty much every other GM. I mean, what's Calgary's at this point?
0: Now everybody's on guard though. Everybody's gonna be like I, I mean th- we it feels like a fair trade, but I, I want one more thing. Throw something else in just so I can we, feel like I won.
1: <laughs> yeah, we said that last time, and then he still hosed Chicago out of a trade, and then after the Chicago trade happened, everybody's like, All right, stop picking up the phone when Joe Sackett calls, and then like four days later, Devon Taves is an half. Like, he just keeps doing it. Chicago's probably like, hey, you got to add more. Joe Sakic's like, how about this shiny new Anton Lindholm? And then he finally got the Islanders to be like, all right, a second rounder for Devon Taves. You got to give us a little bit more. Sakic's like, double the second round. Like, wh- what is he giving up for these players? He's not giving anything up. At this point, you should give us Sam Bennett for, you know, tying in and dries. <laughs> Maybe a Hunter Miska in please there as well. Please take
0: Miska, please. <laughs> poor guy Oh geez. i hope he's not listening I know. And he probably is i know
1: i feel for him well that of brings course, us
0: to the end of our podcast let's wrap it up like we do every podcast and that's with the three stars of the week my high sports three stars of the week brought to you by us starting with star number three and that's a twitter follower out there one of the many amazing avalanche land twitter people and that's kenneth chu why because I sent Kenneth to three boxes of McKinnon Crunch, and he paid a pretty penny for them. I just want to honestly wish I could have heard the conversation with him and his wife. Like, hey, honey, we got to send $50 to uh, Colorado. <laughs> and she says, what, what for, Kenneth? For, for cereal. F- $50 <laughs> on cereal? What, what do you mean? What, it, what's, is this golden cereal? Well, no, it's, uh, it's McKinnon
1: Crunch. I I mean it, you may as well. It's pretty much the same thing. It is golden cereal. But I, I I've been wondering where you've been getting all this money to put action on the St. Louis Blues over the Coyotes, and it turns out it's from this dude. So good blues on you. Blues are ya. up
0: two one. Thank you.
1: Why Why would you bet on the Blues? You know you want them to lose, but now you have to cheer for them because you have money on them. But you also, it's yeah. No, I'm a, I'm
0: a, my money fan before I'm an anybody else fan. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way it
1: should be. And I respect that. Yeah. But I Hey, think. the blues are up two to one with six minutes left. The last time these two teams were playing, the coyotes tied it with a second left on the clock. So I wouldn't couch your money just yet. Justin folks got five goals already this season. Look at him go. That's a good point. They've been uh, getting
0: scored on in the very with an empty net and very last second, several times this year. So I won't get too excited yet. That brings us to star number two. And we're going to Young Nate. No, not Nathan McKinnon. Young Nate. And that's Nathan's streamer name, where apparently now he likes to give all of his news. That's where we heard first that he's actually back to a hundred percent. He's ready to yeah. go. And you know, we've we saw over the off season that he was breaking some news and talking a lot there. So shout out young Nate for being in one of the the biggest scoops in the NHL <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, it's I mean What more could you expect out of this generation of hockey players for Nathan McKinnon? He's both the most gangster, I'm a hard ass, you can't mess with me. Streamer. Streamer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like he's a combination of both. It's a funny thing. But it is who he is and and young Nate. And I love the way he spells it. It's Y-U-N-G. No-O. As it should. No-O. As it should be. And then Nate. (laughs) lowercase n-a-t-e you know who i am
0: it's young nate Exactly, exactly. He loves the streaming. So I wonder how the Avalanche actually feel about that. Like yeah, I know we can't control you, but like watch what you're saying. you Yeah, you said
1: John Martino John over here controlling every player's every step and Nathan McKinnon's playing Call of Duty <laughs> spilling news. Like yeah. he's like how do he's like, What is this game? How do I imagine being John Martineau trying to figure out how to get an Xbox and create a burner account to watch Nathan and like kick him out of land parties just to like stop him from saying stupid shit. Like it's <laughs> it's such a weird life we're living right now. It really is which brings us
0: to star number one we're giving that to alan roach because he was at the super bowl which i think he is every year always but just so awesome to hear him i mean he we grew up with him around here screaming avalanche go right that was
1: actually not bad i've been hearing it for so long i can do a pretty good impression so sorry to our listeners I did. It, uh, I, I
0: tried to yell outside of the mic, but
1: it's just yeah, fun to I, saw, I saw you Roach. take a step back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Alan Roach, my brother and I, screaming around the house, Milan, hey, dude, <laughs> and, like, all the different ways. I always found it funny how he would say Iginla's name because it was as if it was spelled with an A because it was Jerome Iginla, the way he said it. it was really interesting. Patrick Waugh's name was really cool. But yeah, Patrick Waugh. I remember uh, the Dushane. first. Dushane, yeah, the Duchesne was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I always remember, I think it was 2011, the Super Bowl where the Steelers won. Uh, No, 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 the one where the Packers beat the Steelers. That was the first year where I was listening to the Super Bowl and I heard Alan Roach's voice and I was like – Holy shit! That's the guy that does the avalanche games. Oh my! And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Then I found out this guy does it every single year. Twenty eighteen, I cheered my ass off as my favorite soccer team won the the World Cup, France. And uh, lo and behold, you know, <laughs> Pogba and and uh, Mbappe and all these guys are doing flips in the rain, celebrating this World Cup. And then I hear Alan Roach go, "You're a World Cup champion." France and I'm like, this is so weird. It was like hockey mixed with soccer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did
0: the Rockies too. I mean, any Rockies fan remembers Larry Walk.
1: Yeah, and he did. He, yeah, and he did the Broncos for the longest time. Now he's the Vikings, but he did the Broncos for the longest time. And I've been to one Broncos game, and it was the game where Peyton threw 500 yards and Demarius Thomas caught for 288, which was a record at the time. Uh, and he was so cool. It's third down and. Five yards to go, and the place would just go wild. He's just hell of a guy. He's awesome at his job. And at a time where there's 10 days of no hockey, and half the Avalanche are sick and the other half are injured, we're going to give the number one star to the guy that screams out their names.
0: Yeah. And I think he does the Minnesota Vikings now, too. So he's a Colorado guy at I, heart, but I now just he's kind of slutty. Oh, you did?
1: I was. Uh, to that. I <laughs> slutty. <laughs> he's, he's over there he's with over Cole the call, chilling.
0: He's all over the place, but. That brings us to a good stopping point here. Uh, we got Avalanche Hockey right around the corner. Fingers crossed. Like you said, let's look for a COVID positive Saturday morning and other than that got a tough four game set if they do get it going. So we'll be back probably halfway through the, two, the four game set here and of course we got a come back before the Tahoe game to break that down and get excited about
1: that. Perfect, yeah. They play play Sunday, they play Tuesday, then they have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off before that Saturday Tahoe game, so we'll get another podcast in there. Uh, I will say the very last thing before we end this podcast, I am so happy that Belmar is back and healthy before that game just Mm -hmm. because of the Crush My Dreams quote and him wanting to skate on a lake. So, kudos to Belmar. Stay healthy these next two games so you can play at Tahoe Saturday.
0: I'm curious. Like you said, they got three days off there in between. Uh, that they, they may throw
1: in, hey, would, Colorado, Minnesota, finish. On on? Yeah, yeah exactly. the, the avalanche and wild. Like, if you're Minnesota and you're the Avs and you're both healthy at that point and sitting at home, they are like, oh, no, 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 no. You've had enough time of sitting at home. Uh, let's get that last game done. And as I say this, I look at the schedule. Minnesota's playing Anaheim on Thursday, so it's probably not going to happen, but so be it.
0: Well, like we've been doing for the last 10 months i guess we'll just wait and see and react accordingly. exactly so yeah. that being said thanks for hanging out with us uh if you made it this far in the podcast bless your heart hockey's for everyone Here we you. yeah we now we Shame on yeah, you. I-, I-, yeah. I-, I paid the cost to see apostrophes that means it's mine yeah